Good morning, church. How are you? Last week, we introduced a new song called Glorious Day. And what I love about that song is that the enemy tries to tell us that our shame and our guilt is too much. And that becomes our tomb. That becomes our grave. And we are just under this weight. But then God calls our name. And he says, Adam, come here. And that burden is lifted. And I feel so light that we don't just walk out and we're like, what do you want? Like a toddler. But we, say, we run after him. We say, here I am, God. And thank you. So will you rise with us as we celebrate God taking that from us and the truth in that. Call me a citizen of heaven. 
Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more hanging on every We 
the living God. We only want to hear your voice hanging on every I love the line in that song that says, when you do only what you can do, that it changes us. That by ourselves, we're not gonna change ourselves. We need Christ and Christ alone. And it changes what we see and how we view this world and it changes what we seek. In Matthew it says, seek the kingdom of God above all things. And so we're about to hear a message about Christ alone. So as we prepare our hearts, I pray a blessing over that word that Dan is going to bring. And I pray that God does what only he can do and changes us. Amen. Amen. Glad you're here, gang. Hey, while you're standing, take just a second. Say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in just a second. Thank you. Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm Sam. I'm the next-gen pastor here. And this morning, we are going to celebrate child dedication with this lovely family. Child dedication is a, a moment where a family can come and just say to God, God, we realize that this child is a gift from you, and this child is yours, and we want to present them uh, back to you. And so there are three commitments that, um, that are being made here in, in child dedication. The first one is from this family to God, doing exactly that, saying, um, God, these kids, we realize they're yours. They're not ours, and we want to steward them well, and we want to present them back to you, and we want to do the best that we can to raise them to understand who you are. Uh, the second commitment is from the, the parents to the children and saying that we're going to do our best to provide environments where it's, uh, it's a healthy environment for you to know who Jesus is and uh, to be able to trust him and to follow him. And then the third commitment is us as a church um, wrapping our arms around this family and encouraging them and saying, we're going to commit to love you, to pray for you, to encourage you, to provide environments, to help your kids understand who Jesus is, and to, to partner with you as a family. And so those are the three commitments that we're making here today as a part of child dedication. Um, and you'll also notice that there's a couple standing with them that they actually represent us as a church to this family. And so it's a symbolic way that we can say, we are here with you in this, that, that uh, the church is here to wrap our arms around you and to love you and to help you the best that you possibly can. And so I'm going to ask this family to introduce themselves to you, and then we'll pray uh, and dedicate these kids. Good morning. My name is Brad Stutzman. This is my wife, Tiffany, and our boys, Maximus and Ephraim. What a beautiful family, right? This is great. Yeah, well, we are excited to be able to do this today. So why don't we go to God in prayer and dedicating these kids. God, we just uh, we thank you for this moment where we can um, bring these kids before you. And uh, recognizing that and children are a gift from you and what a, a blessing it is. And uh, God, I just I pray for Brad and Tiffany as they are parenting, as they're uh, trying to figure out um, what all of this is supposed to be like. And God, I just pray that you would encourage them, um, that you would comfort them, that you would give them wisdom as they lead, as they parent. Um, God, parenting isn't easy, but it's, it's worth it. And it's worthwhile. And so, God, I pray that you would give them little glimpses here and there of just how much you love them and uh, how much um, and how well they're doing at it. And God, I also pray for these kids, for Maximus and Ephraim. I pray that you, they would come to know your son Jesus at an early age. And God, that we as a church would provide environments to help support this family 
um, to help them grow spiritually so that these kids, as they make decisions for their life, that they would learn to make wise choices, that they would love you, and they would want to follow you for the rest of their life. So God, we pray for this family, and we just thank you for them. And uh, God, we want to mark this day as special uh, in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give this family another round of applause? All righty. Thanks, guys. Uh, just a couple of announcements for us today. today uh, this weekend is um, Veterans Day weekend, and so we just want to take a moment in our service to recognize um, any of you who um, have served in our military, either presently serving or in the past. So if you would just stand up, if that is you, we want to recognize you and say thank you to you. So if you could do that right now, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, a couple other announcements. Um, we have Get to Know Hopevale today at 1230 in the venue. Uh, Get to Know Hopevale is an environment, maybe you're, you're, this is your first Sunday here, or maybe you've been coming for a little while, but you're trying to figure out questions like, you know, what's this church all about? Who, who are they? What do we believe? How do you fit in all of that? Uh, Get to Know Hopevale is a, a, an amazing environment to answer those questions and, and to maybe even ask more questions and, and figure out how you can get involved. So that's today, 1230 in the venue, which is off to my right outside. I heard you go down the hallway. Um, so uh, take advantage of that. Um, another announcement is this. It's that our Christmas services are, are coming pretty soon. I know, like, wait, Thanksgiving isn't even here, but they're gonna be, it's going to be here before you know it. Um, so we, like last year, have two identical um, days worth of Christmas services on the 23rd and 24th. Um, the 23rd, the Christmas services are at 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, and then on the 24th, they are 1, 3, and 5 o'clock. And so begin planning now. Those services fill up really fast, and we have five services because we want you to invest and invite um, your friends, your neighbors, your family. Uh, we want those services packed and full because it's just an awesome time of year to celebrate Jesus and the birth of Jesus and the wonder of Christmas. And so uh, we're excited about that. And so start planning now. Uh, figure out what service you're going to come to, and uh, it's going to be a blast, okay? So 23rd, 24th, uh, 1, uh, 3, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then 1, 3, and 5 o'clock on the 24th. All right, as we move into a time of giving and a time of giving our offerings to God, let's go to God in prayer uh, over that. God, we just um, we thank you for uh, just the ability to be able to come here to worship you, to, uh, to lift your name up, to kind of put aside for a second the stuff that just kind of like crowds out our, our minds and our hearts from you during the week and just kind of say, okay, for this little bit, everything, all attention, all focus is on you and giving you your rightful place. And God, help us to live that way, not just here on Sunday, but, but to live that way every single day of the week. And I know it's hard, God, but help us and, and, and help us get to that place where we can fall on our knees and worship you and, and your Holy Spirit can just kind of uh, take over in those moments. So God, we also pray as we give um, just a portion of what you've blessed us with. God, we're excited to do that because we know you're going to take that and you're going to use that to minister to people both here in our community and around the world. And we love to see what you do with the little bit that we have and how you make it much. And so, uh, God, do what you do in that. And uh, we want to just say thank you for giving us those blessings and we want to be grateful and give them right back to you. And so that's what we do here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Hey, gang, my name's Billy. I'm one of the pastors here as well, and glad you're here. Um, 
yeah, add my welcome to everybody who said welcome today. Hopeville's a big place, so we know that sometimes this could be a first time for somebody today, and hope that it certainly fills your cup. And um, Well, during the offering, we thought um, we'd play a song for you today. Uh, you can just sit and listen to it. It's called Let Love Win, and um, it's a great song about Christ's love and what Christ's love does for us and who, what Christ's love is in us. And as we focus on getting ready for a sermon to uh, really focus on the title in Christ alone, we thought this would be a great way for us to prepare. So hopefully it's an inspiring time for you today. Count us in, man.
Well, good morning. Want to welcome you here for worship. Want to welcome those of you gathered in the venue who are part of our Bay City Corps. Great to have you with us today. Hey, before we get to the message, I just want us to take a moment. This is hard. I want us to recognize the grief, the sadness, and the sorrow of those who lost loved ones this past Sunday, the shooting at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. It's hard to believe that while we're gathered here last Sunday for this incredible baptism service celebrating new life in Jesus Christ, that men, women, boys, girls in this little country church were gunned down in this senseless act of pure evil. 26 victims in all. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And so we follow what Scripture says to mourn with those who mourn. And we want to take a moment in our service to pray for those families, for that church, for that community that has been torn asunder and praying for their healing and for their peace and their comfort. I also want to let you know as a church that we have been able to make a $5,000 donation from our Christmas outreach offering to a care fund that's been established for the people of Sutherland Springs, to the community, to the church. It allows us to give towards things like grief and trauma counseling to help with funeral expenses and for costs needed to repair and rebuild the church there. It's a way for me too to just say thank you for your generosity, your ongoing generosity that allows us to minister to people outside the four walls of our church. Uh, I also want to say this too, a little just word about security here at Hopevale. Security here at Hopevale is something we take very seriously, and we've done so for the last several years. You may not notice it when you come in on a Sunday, but we have teams of people who are tasked to monitor the goings-on here, and they also um, just execute and put into place the protocols that we have for security, both preventative and responsive, if and when anything happens. And we're thankful for the men and women who are part of that. As a matter of fact, just last Monday, Jim Clooney, our facilities manager, was interviewed by TV5 about this very thing in church security and the things that we're doing. Now, ultimately, we trust in God for his protection, no question about it. But on our end, we're doing all that we can to create an environment here at Hopewell that's not only welcoming and inviting, because that's part of church, right? But one also where you can feel safe and secure. So with that in mind, let's take a moment and pray. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are in a place where our hearts hurt. Our hearts hurt for the loved ones of these victims who were brutally and senselessly killed at First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs. Just cannot begin to imagine the heaviness and the grief that has descended upon this church, upon this community. Men, women, boys, girls, literally infants to seniors and all in between. And God, just for me, I think of a pastor and his wife losing their 14-year-old daughter. And so God, where our words end, may your grace begin and may you flood these families, this church, this community 
with an overwhelming supernatural peace that passes all understanding. And God, may it soften our hearts to the needs around us. And God, we ask for your intervention. There are times like these, as scriptures say, where we don't know exactly what to pray, but pray that your Holy Spirit would intercede on our behalf. And whether it's changing the hearts of people, the laws of the land, or anything else, God, that would end these senseless acts of violence, we're asking for your intervention, God. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for the peace and security here. We don't take that for granted. And God, we would ask that your hand of blessing and protection would be upon us continually as our eyes always look to you. For you, Jesus, are our shelter, our fortress, and our solid rock. This we pray in your name. Amen.
way to tell this old historical story. And if you've been with us these last few weeks, what you just heard and saw should sound pretty familiar, right? It should. We've been in this series called Back to Basics. Back to Basics, where we've been looking at the essentials of Christianity and the importance of keeping the main thing, the main thing. That's what sparked the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago. And that legacy is just as valuable to us today in 2017 as it was to the people back then in 1517. The message is simple. Don't make Christianity complicated. Don't add on mad-made rules and regulations that have no foundation in Scripture. Don't elevate the primacy of human leadership above the lordship of Jesus Christ. Don't fall into that trap. And if you do, get back to basics. Get back to that still rings true today for us. And you know, I not only love the creativity of that video, but I also love how it doesn't stay stuck in the past. No, as you get to the very end, it has a message for us right here, an inspirational one, the church, that we would live out these exact same things today, right? Every person a priest, every member a missionary, Everyone empowered and fully engaged, contributing, distributing God's present, being present in every place and situation with the message of faith and salvation, a new reformation. Transformation through the power and presence of God changing our lives and through us transforming the world. We have good news worth sharing. We really do the good news of Jesus Christ, whether it's here in Saginaw, up in Bay City, or anywhere in the Great Lakes Bay region. God wants to mobilize his church, that's us, to bring this message of hope and change and life transformation in Jesus Christ to as many people as we can. That's what we're about, and that's why this series matters. It really matters. And so as we continue on today, I'm going to pivot a little bit, and I thought I would start by talking a little bit about our family. Now, for you long-timers, you already know plenty about the Davises, but for the newcomers here, let me give you the quick rundown, okay? Here we go. Here's my wife, Kathy. We've been married for 28 years with 21 of those years here at Hopevale. 21 years at Hopevale. It has been incredible, yes. That you still haven't caught on to my gig yet is pretty incredible, right? I, hey, and Kathy, I think she's worshiping in the venue. Want to say hi to her? Hi, Kathy. And then here are our three kids, okay? Uh, going left to right, there's Jack, our youngest, Bryn, our favorite daughter, and Scott, our oldest, <laughs> right? And as you can see here, they're wearing T-shirts of where they went to college, in Jack's case, where they're still going to college, Grand Valley or Calvin College, Grand Valley, and Michigan State. Now here's the thing, if you throw in the cost of tuition, those are by far the most expensive t-shirts we've ever bought, right? <laughs> ever. Anyway, seeing them in those college t-shirts reminds me of one of the most stressful seasons we've ever had with them as parents, and that's their senior year of high school. Senior year of high school, incredibly 
stressful. I mean, talk about tension in the home ratcheted up a few notches, right? Not only are they becoming more independent, not only are they ready to be done with high school, but there is a whole lot of paperwork to be done. I mean, a whole lot of paperwork. There are college applications, financial aid applications, scholarship applications, job applications, so many deadlines, so much to do. And yet, here's the thing. While you as a parent see the importance of all that, your kids, mm, let me just say, they don't always feel the same quite urgency, right, as you do, right? Have you filled that out yet? Have you filled that out yet? Have you filled that out yet? Have you sent it in? Have you heard back? Have you? Have you? Have you? Like I said, right? A lot of stress, a lot of tension. But then even when they do get to the point of working on all those applications, there's a new and bigger anxiety that creeps in. Will I get accepted? Will I get accepted when they see my grades and test scores, when they read my essays, when they look at all my extracurricular activities and why I really want to go to their school? Will they let me in or will they turn me down? Will I get accepted? It's a lot of nervousness, a lot of uncertainty. And one of the ways we as humans try to cope with that is we do all that we can to make sure we can impress the person who's making the decisions. That's especially true with the so-called reach schools, right? That place you really want to go, but on paper your grades by themselves don't quite cut it. And so you're like, well, maybe if I do this, maybe if I add that, maybe if I say these things and include a bunch of other stuff, maybe they'll look beyond my grades and that'll be enough to get me in. I mean, while we're already past that stage and even talking about it now still stresses me out, right? It's the anxiety of acceptance, The anxiety of acceptance, and I tell that story because a lot of people feel that same kind of stress and worry on a deeper and more spiritual level when it comes to their standing with God. Have I done enough to please God? Will I get into heaven after I die? Is there something more I can do to be sure of his acceptance? Or what other good things can I add to my record to avoid rejection? There just has to be something else I can do, right? Listen, those very questions get to the heart of what this Back to to Basics series is all about. That despite our nervous tendency to want to keep on adding more and doing more just to make sure we're good with God, there is a new, there is a different, there is a greater, there is a better story that we need to listen to. And you know what? This story isn't about more. It's about less. It's about the basics of faith. It's about the essentials of Christianity and the few things that we really need. And so, quickly as a review, you know, we've seen throughout this series that Martin Luther and these other reformers handed us these five basics from the Protestant Reformation, or five solas taken from the Latin word sola, meaning only or alone. Here they are, sola scriptura, scripture alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. That's what we've looked at so far. And then there are these final two for this week and next, solus Christus. Christ alone, and soli deo gloria, gloria, God's glory alone. And so whether it's with Jesus and the apostles from 2,000 years ago, Martin Luther and the reformers from 500 years ago, for us here today, these are the Christian basics. And you need to know that in the end, they're all you need. They're all you need. So this morning, let's take a look, look at this week's basic, Christ alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. Jesus Christ alone is our Lord our Savior, our King. Now, this echoes the basic message we've looked at these last few weeks, that we are saved 
from God's righteous wrath, from his eternal judgment. We are clothed in perfect holiness. We are welcomed into God's forever family as his sons and daughters by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That's all it takes. That's all you need, and it's all made possible by the perfect life, the victorious the sacrificial death, the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he did all that for you. Look how the Apostle Paul explains it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him, Jesus, right, who had no sin to be sin for us, to take our place, right? So that what? So that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great exchange. Jesus bears our hideous sin. We bear his beautiful righteousness. That because of who Jesus is, that because of what Jesus has done, we who believe in him are not only forgiven, we're not only cleansed of all our sin, but we're also made forever righteous in the eyes of God. That when God sees us, he sees the perfection of his son Jesus on our behalf. That's why the good news is called good news, that Jesus, out of his love for us, out of obedience to his Father, did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And because he paid for all our sins, past, present, future, we don't ever again have to keep on doing more for ourselves. We don't. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the starting point of the Christian life. And let me just say this. If you haven't started there, if you haven't received the gift of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to experience that. To receive the gift that all it takes is simple belief in Jesus. Simple belief in Jesus through wholehearted trust in him as your Savior. And that's a decision, that is a commitment, that is a starting point that you can do today. To express to God here and now your desire that, God, I want you to, I need you to be my Lord, my Savior, my King. I want to experience your saving grace. See, that's essentially what it means to become a Christian, and I invite you to make that kind of confession of faith in your heart today, just one of simple belief through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And yet, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, it just isn't the starting point for the Christian life. It's also the staying point for the Christian life. The staying point for the Christian life. In other words, there's never going to be a time in your life when you're not in desperate need of the grace of God. Never. And so whether you are a brand new Christian or you have been walking with Jesus for decades, you still and always need to cling to Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior, and your King. See, that's the basic message of Christianity. That's where we need to start, and that's also where we need to stay. But the challenge is, can we? Can we? Will we? Can we start there, and will we stay there? See, there's this side to the good news of Jesus Christ that seems too easy, right? Too simple, too good, to be true. That there's got to be something else to it, right? Some kind of catch. It's kind of like that college application. Can I really be sure? Isn't there something more I can do to guarantee God's acceptance, to win his favor, to ensure my entrance into heaven after I, I die? What else is there? 
And yet, as tempting as it is to go down that road to want to add something else to your moral resume, you need to know how spiritually dangerous that is. It really is. Because while you just think you're trying to make sure, the reality is you're rejecting Jesus. You're robbing his grace of its saving power. You are. That's why whether we're at the starting point of the Christian life or the staying point of the Christian life, we need to beware of the plus, right? We need to beware of the plus, that any time we are trusting in something else or someone else, in addition to Jesus, right? Jesus plus something, we're actually harming, not helping our faith. We need to beware of the plus, of drifting away from faith in Christ alone. So what are some of these pluses that we might be tempted to add on to Jesus? Well, let's talk about a few of those. Here's the first, Christ plus my performance. Christ plus my performance. Beware of that plus because you can't add your good works to Jesus' finished work. You can't. Now, we talked a lot about this last Sunday, so I'm not going to re-preach that message. It is spelled out in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, a key passage from the last couple weeks. But you also see it here in the New Testament book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 21. Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness and acceptance with a holy God could be gained through the law, through doing good, through keeping the rules, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, if we could really work our way to heaven, then the cross means nothing. If righteousness, if acceptance by a holy God could be gained by us keeping all the rules, by us living a good life, then we don't need Jesus. Like I said last week, to add our works is to subtract from Christ. That's why faith plus works doesn't work. Now, before we move on to the next one, I want to clarify something about good works. See, when people hear this message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and hear nothing about works, then they think it's a reckless belief, a reckless belief, because it gives people a free pass to live however they want. That's the fear. Hey, you know, if God's going to love me and forgive me no matter what I do, then I'm just going to keep on doing my own thing, right? Or an attitude like that is going to abuse grace and take advantage of God. That's the fear, that's the worry, that's the hesitation. Well, first of all, let me tell you, no one takes advantage of God, right? No one. So don't worry about him. But then second, you need to understand that there is a place for good works in the Christian life, okay? There is. The key, however, is understanding where exactly is that place. Well, let me put it this way. That good works are about evidence of saving faith, not entrance into saving faith. Do you understand the difference? Doing good, being good, helping others are about the evidence of saving faith, not our entrance into saving faith. In other words, they are proof of, not payment for, God's acceptance. Huge difference, right? Huge difference. So when James in the New Testament says that faith without works is dead, he's not saying that we have to add good works to our faith, but what he is saying is this, that if we claim to be a Christian, If we claim to have received the saving grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ, but then we live an unchanged, unaffected life where we're consistently making selfish choices, where we're always treating other people poorly, then it is legitimate to question the sincerity of your faith. Where is the evidence? Where is the proof of a faith that is genuine and sincere? 
Now, this isn't about me questioning you, okay, or you questioning me, where we play the moral police with each other. No, this is about self-examination, This is about taking a good, hard look in the mirror and asking ourselves, is God's grace making a difference in the way I live and the way I love? Is it because faith without works is dead faith? It is. Now, just to be clear, we're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about progress. Progress, where over time, I'm becoming more grateful, I'm becoming more generous, I'm becoming more patient, I'm becoming more forgiving. So those good things we do for God and we do for others, they're not the payment for God's acceptance, but they are proof of God's acceptance of us, how his love is changing us from the inside out. That's the power of God's grace, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. So beware of thinking that it's Christ plus my performance that's going to win God over second. Beware of thinking that it's Christ plus my patron saints. My patron saints. Now, for some of you, this means nothing, okay? But for others of you, this is a huge deal. Believing that the goodness of other godly people will help guarantee your acceptance. But it won't. It won't. Now, this was a big deal 500 years ago in the Christian church, right? It was one of the main reasons why Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses of Protest. A few weeks ago, we talked about the church back then selling something called indulgences indulgences, the belief when something like this, that there exists this treasury of merit that would hold the excess righteousness of all the good works done by these holy people, Jesus, the Virgin Mary, other godly saints. And because they had more than enough goodness to get into heaven without any outside help, the church back then claimed to hold that leftover goodness in something called the treasury of merit. Also then, because we're not nearly as pious as they were, and we won't likely have enough righteousness and goodness on our own, we can and will need to tap into that extra goodness that's stored in the treasury of merit. So 500 years ago, one of the ways you could do that was to buy indulgences, where your monetary gifts to the church that went to help build St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome would in turn give you additional goodness that could either go to you or to an already departed loved one in purgatory. Well, all this was clearly unbiblical. That's why Martin Luther, why the other reformers sought to bring the church back to basics. And yet, as backwards as that sounds, there are still people today who would consider themselves Christians who look to the help of those holy saints like the Blessed Virgin Mary or other departed ones to bring them into the favor of God and or to keep them in the favor of God. And so things like prayer cards, candles, incense, offerings, medallions could possibly lead people to superstitious belief that takes the focus off of Christ and puts it on someone else or something else. Now, that's not meant to be a blanket statement. I do believe there are some genuine Christians who use worship aids like these to deepen their faith. But I also think that it can lead others to a dangerous and superstitious place, right, that's going to rely on something other than grace. And so if that's part of your background, right, That's deep in the recesses of your mind, your heart. You need to know that all those extras aren't necessary. They're not. Let me just add this, that this isn't some kind of Roman Catholic versus Protestant thing. No, Protestants can fall in the same trap of elevating human personalities and heroes of faith over Christ as well. I mean, take Martin Luther, right? Here we are in light of this 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, and it's tempting to want to put the focus on him and all that he did, but the basics aren't about him. 
As a matter of fact, there are some things about Martin Luther that you do not want to imitate, right? You don't. For once, toward the end of his life, he wrote a couple anti-Semitic books that are extremely racist, extremely racist, that if I were to read them aloud right here, you would absolutely cringe in horror and squirm in your seat. So Martin Luther, as a Protestant reformer, yeah, hero of faith, but far from perfect and certainly not worthy of our worship and veneration. Even today, Christians, we we can fall into the trap of practically worshiping our favorite public personalities, pastors, speakers, authors, musicians, where we consume their content more than Scripture itself and subtly shift our faith to them. That's dangerous too. You know why? Because people can and often will disappoint us. They will. Every year we read of another high-profile Christian leader who has to step down for some immoral reason. And a scandal like that can really rattle our faith if it's improperly placed on them. So beware of Christ plus your patron saint or your high-profile personality or anyone else who can steal the focus off of Christ. And then here's the third. Beware of this plus Christ plus my parents. Christ plus my parents. Now let me say up front, it is an incredible blessing to be raised by Christian parents in a loving and godly home. It is. It's a great advantage to have in life when it comes to making faith in Christ your very own. That's why we place such a high premium here on kids' ministry and youth ministry to partner with parents so they can raise their children to know the Lord. But here's the thing. As wonderful as it is, our parents can't save us. Our parents can't save us. Our parents can't respond to the grace of God on our behalf either. They can't. You're not going to get into heaven on your mama's coattails, no matter how wonderful she was. It just doesn't work that way. Now, this may be obvious to some of you, but I can honestly say that in my years as a pastor, I've run into many people who think this way. You know, my parents were such great Christians. My parents were part of the founding of Hovell. My parents would do anything for anyone, and this is great stuff. But in the end, the faith of your parents can't be credited to your account. No, in the end, it's not about how they trusted in Jesus, about all the good that they did. No, it's about you. It's about you taking ownership of your faith in Jesus and whether or not he is your Savior, him and him alone. And so whether it's your performance, your patron saints, your public personalities, your parents, or anyone or anything else, beware of the plus. Beware of that plus because you can't add anything else to Jesus and you don't need to add anything else to him either. No, all you need is Jesus Christ and him alone. See, to say Christ alone is to believe that Christ is enough. That Jesus Christ is enough for our acceptance with God. Look at these passages. John 14, 6, Jesus is the only way. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus answered. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12, Jesus is the only name. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only sacrifice. In other words, what is the act? What is the payment? What is the sacrifice we need to properly atone for the sins we've committed against God? Look at this, Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 26, but he, Christ, appeared once for all, the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
How did he pay for our sins? He's the payment. Jesus is the payment. Verse 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, That's our lot. We're destined to die once. After that, we face judgment. That Jesus was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And that those of us who believe in Christ will stand before God, not based on our record of great imperfection, but on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. He is the only sacrifice. And then this, Jesus is the only mediator. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, verse 6. I love this. For there is one God... There is one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. He died on the cross in our place for our sins out of love, out of great love for you. And so as tempting as it is to want to add something else of your own just to make sure you're good with God, right? You don't have to. You don't have to rest in the sufficiency of Jesus. Christ alone means Christ enough. Solus Christus, Christ alone. Jesus, Christ alone is our Lord, our Savior, our King. And because he's enough for everything, we can trust him with anything. We can trust him with anything. And so as I wrap up, let me ask you this. What has got you nervous today, right? That as you walked in, what is stressing you out? What happened this past week? What is consuming you with worry? What's going on in life where you feel like you need to do more? Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to give that over to Jesus today. Fully trust in your Lord, your Savior, your King. Trust him. He can handle it. I promise you, he can. Listen, Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus rose from the grave for you. Jesus will come back again for you. And in the middle of that, he is with you always, always. Because he's enough for everything. You and I, we can trust him with anything, anything. So my encouragement to you today is to go ahead and do that, right? Whatever you're worried about, give it over to him. Give it over to him because he's more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. Let's pray together. God, thank you for these promises. God, thank you for this vision of a simple yet strong foundation of faith. Lord, it's so easy to get anxious, nervous, worried, afraid that we're not doing enough. That you might be mad at us, that we've got to somehow win you over again. And to get to that humbling place of realizing we don't have to, we don't need to, and that we never could in the first place. That's the beauty, that's the power of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and King, who took our place, who bore our sins so that we might be the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. My prayer is for those today who either have never seen Jesus in this light or have a plus that they're holding on to and that today would be the day, Lord, that you would just peel their fingers off that plus and that their trust would move fully, finally, and completely upon Jesus. 
for the rest of us. God, because you're enough for everything, Jesus, we will trust you with anything, right? Anything that we're holding on to, anything that's got us down, thank you that you're big enough, you're strong enough, you're caring enough to want to step in and provide what we need, when we need it, in a way that only you can do. And so God, take our hearts, take our lives, and let us lift them up in worship to Jesus Christ and him alone. This we pray in his holy, precious, and matchless name. Amen. What a great reminder that Christ is enough. It's easy to praise God at the mountaintop. And it's easy to tell other people in their suffering that Christ is enough. But in our own sorrow, I fall into it all the time, relying on other things than just Christ. So let's stand and respond and make that our promise to follow Jesus. Let's decide as a church that Christ is enough.
incredible and what a great song for you to take in your week as a matter of fact every day this week make that your prayer Jesus you're enough for me whatever the day holds for me whatever the world's gonna throw at me Jesus you're enough because he is I promise you he is hey want to let you know about something coming up this week Tuesday night at 8 o'clock pastor Steve and I are going to be doing a Facebook Live event to talk more about Hopevale going to Bay City and a little bit about that church. If you've got friends who live in Bay City or want to find know, know more about that, you can tune in to Facebook Live at 8 this Tuesday night. We're looking forward to sharing more about that vision and the momentum that God has been building for that. Next week, we're going to wrap up our Back to Basics series talking about to God alone be the glory and what that means for how we live our lives. We'll also share communion together as a church family. As you go from here, may you go in the power and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and him alone. God bless you.